Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast, a Bible study for those who struggle with digging into the Bible, but who want to develop a richer faith, one with some meat on its bones. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who's passionate about helping others thrive, especially spiritually. If you're unaware, Christ's Table is a movement of people returning the church to her roots, in homes, around tables, over food with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. In the meantime, today's study continues the topic of unity as we make our journey through the book of Ephesians. We'll be in chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. Let's dig in. Well, today as we enter the book of Ephesians, I was reminded growing up of how uh, I was always known as the guy who had absolutely no motor skills. Now, I grew up as a child in Indiana, and Indiana is known for snow, and we are bearing down right now on September, and September, October in the north is when it begins to get cold, and even some snow begins to visit itself there. Now, uh, I can remember at least once or twice every single winter season slipping and falling on ice. Most of those times happen whenever I was getting on the bus or getting off the bus, whenever I was headed into church or headed out of church. And so almost every single time that I slipped and and bit the dust or bit the ice uh, was in front of a large group of people. And so everybody was there to see it. And it was always embarrassing. And I was always known as the guy who was not able to stand on his feet. Uh, and so I kind of essentially avoided sports uh, through all of my childhood and, and early adolescence because because uh, I didn't have great motor skills. And also, I just had this image of myself of not being able to have sure footing or, or being able to really accomplish anything. And when we come to Ephesians chapter 5, at verse 15, this is something of the image that Paul has in mind when he says, be careful how you live. The wording that he actually uses in the original Greek is wording that has to do with your feet, with where you place your feet. Be sure that you are careful with where you place your feet. Uh, Make sure that you're placing it on firm ground. He goes on to say then, don't live like fools, but instead live like those who actually are wise. You're given a choice. I'm given a choice as to who we use as a example, who is our mentor and how to live. And ultimately, unfortunately, many times we use people who are not great examples, people who have not placed their feet well or who are not placing their feet well or placing their feet carefully as an example of how to live. And those are the type of people that we follow. If we live like a fool, then we become a fool. If we live like the wise, the Bible tells us that we become wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Now, in the English rendering of that, we don't actually get a sense of what Paul's saying here, but Paul is saying something very specific because the church, when he writes this, is beginning to um, sense that there is going to be a great wave of persecution coming their way. And what Paul is doing here is Paul is intentionally saying to them, we understand that there is a time coming, and time is a word that he actually uses here uh, in the Greek. We understand that there is a time coming 
where it is going to be very difficult to place your feet well. And whenever you carefully place your feet well during a time of persecution, that's going to draw a lot of attention to you, not because you fall, but because of where you're placing your feet. So Paul says right now, while you have the ability to do what you want, to live like you want, to follow who you want, make the most of every opportunity because you may not always have that kind of freedom. Do not, he says in verse 17, do not act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. The opportunity to listen to uh, Christine Kane yesterday, and she gave this great example of how we drift whenever we're not paying attention. Uh, that boats drift whenever we've not paid attention to whether or not the anchor is secure, that if we're out swimming in the ocean, that if we're not paying attention, then we end up drifting away from shore or drifting into areas that we should not be swimming in. It wasn't as though you intended to end up in a place of danger. It wasn't as though you intended to drift, but you just you weren't thinking, you weren't paying attention. This is the image that Paul is giving us here is he's saying, don't act thoughtlessly, but be thoughtful. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. In short, be intentional. Maybe if I would have been more intentional growing up during those uh, snow days in Indiana with where I placed my feet, maybe if I would have been a little bit more intentional about where I placed my feet, maybe maybe I would have stayed on my feet more. Maybe I would have gotten a, a reputation for being the guy who's always going to slip and fall on the ice and, and hurt himself. If I'd been more careful, if I'd been more thoughtful with where I was placing my feet, on what path I was walking, it may have saved me a lot of pain. It may have saved me a lot of suffering. Verse 18, now Paul takes a very interesting turn. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. What an interesting statement here, almost almost out of nowhere. And this verse, this verse has so been ripped out of context. Um, thinking back on those days in Indiana, our church, uh, our church was a, a teetotaler community, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptists, which meant, I guess, that other Baptists and certainly anybody else that wasn't Baptist weren't Bible-believing, but we we were, which is why we said we were Bible-believing Baptists. Uh, and they taught that wine was wrong, that alcohol was wrong, even taught that whenever the Bible says and uses the word wine, that it meant grape juice. It's funny because it's actually a Greek word for grape juice, but it uses the word for wine. Anyway, the Bible doesn't says don't, the, the Bible never says don't drink. Um, that's ridiculous. That's, that's bad theology. In fact, it says the opposite of that. It encourages us to do the opposite of that because wine, wine is a, a metaphor, a symbol of the blood and the sacrifice of, of Jesus Christ. And, and anyway, I know that for, for many of us, that's a, that's a dark hole in there. Uh, there's family history and, and genetics at play. And and for many of us, uh, we have to be a teetotaler. And, and that's okay. 
God doesn't require it for all of us. But why does Paul point it out here? Why does Paul say, don't be drunk with wine because that will because that will ruin your life. Well, we have to read it in the greater context to see essentially what what Paul is is saying here. And um, I think, you know, one of the things that is important for us whenever we read and think about this in context is is to remember that Paul isn't saying don't drink wine. What he's saying is don't get drunk. What happens when you when you get drunk, well, if you get pulled over for it, you have a hard time walking a straight line, right? You have a hard time, you know, doing the doing the finger on the nose test, right? Um, oftentimes, if you've ever been in a situation, had to had to carry a friend out of a bar to keep him upright, to to keep him from from stumbling and and falling and and hurting themselves and. And I think that what Paul is doing here is Paul is essentially leveraging this as an example of one way in which we can understand what it means to not get ourselves thoughtlessly in a situation where we're not able to place our feet well. Paul says, instead, what I want you to do is be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your in your hearts. So Paul is kind of using this idea of drunkenness as a juxtaposition. You you have the you have the opportunity to either be drunk with other things and maybe the best visual image that he can give for that is wine or you have the opportunity to really in your life be drunk in the spirit. You have the opportunity to choose one path or the other. Either way, you're going to be filled with something that is going to uh, inebriate you. That, in the eyes of the world, is going to make you seem a, a little crazy and a little off and and a little not yourself. I think it's awesome here that he says instead of being filled with alcohol to the extent in which you're drunk, why don't you be filled with the Spirit, with God, to the extent that you seem drunk? Because what oftentimes do drunk people do? Well, they lose their inhibitions. They sing. They're they're joyful. They're 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 gleeful. Oftentimes they're hilarious. They're fun to be around. They're the life of the party. They sing a lot. They make music. Paul says, you know what? That that should be a Christian. What happens when you're drunk, that life of the party, that joy, that loss of oneself into something greater than oneself, on alcohol, that can be dangerous. But when you do that with God, that's something wholly different. So Paul's saying, you have different ways in life that you can get that way. That, that you can get to the point of losing yourself and being so filled with something that that you've you've become something greater or different than yourself. Alcohol, doing doing that, doing that's going to lead to things that probably are going to end up being embarrassing. You're going to lose control. Um, you're going to become a slave to that. Lose control with God instead. Become a slave to God instead. Make music and 
and sing like you're drunk, but because you're filled with the Spirit, not with a bottle. I love in Acts chapter 2, verse 15, whenever Pentecost happens and um, the Spirit falls, you know, remember the flaming tongues of fire and everyone was, was speaking in tongues and thousands of people um, came into Jerusalem and, and they all understood each other, even though they only uh, spoke different languages and and all the people who are watching this happen in the capital city of Jerusalem say, uh, well, these people are just drunk. They had too much to drink during the celebration. And Peter, Peter gets up and, and shouts among or above all of the roar of the crowd and says, and this is, oh, I love this verse. It's just great. Peter says, these people aren't drunk. He's talking about the folks who have been filled with the spirit. So these people, these people aren't drunk, as as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. And I just love that line. It's so Peter. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. So what we see here is a couple of things: is that uh, whenever we are truly filled with the Spirit, it, it looks like we're drunk. We're so happy. We're so free. We're so careless. We're joyful people to be around in that moment. That's what being filled with the Spirit looks like. That's that's maybe our best example of it. But all of the good parts, not all the bad parts and and sad parts of of being drunk. You're gonna lose yourself. There's only one thing you want to lose yourself in, and that's God. The other thing that I get out of this passage is is that clearly Peter didn't have a problem with drinking. Clearly. Clearly, alcohol wasn't wasn't an issue in the early church. They weren't they weren't teetotalers, and of course they weren't because Jesus wasn't. Jesus never taught that we should be. But I love that you're assuming that these people are drunk. But nine o'clock nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. If this were later in the day. Maybe they were. Maybe they are. Not here. Not now. And Paul, and we're going to conclude with this. And I hope you'll join us for tomorrow because let me tell you. This chapter only gets better and more complicated. Just wait until we get to the part where he starts talking about submission, children and parent relationships, and slavery. So <laughs> I'm going to earn my pay this week, and we're going to see where it goes. But we're going to close with this one right now for today. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks for everything to God. That persecution and that suffering that you're going through. God didn't send it your way, but but give thanks to him that you're that you're alive. That you're hopefully learning something from this and and give thanks to God that it won't last forever and that he's there to walk alongside you with it. Give thanks to God. Give thanks to God for whatever comes your way. And make sure make sure that you're filled with the spirit and not filled with other things. Cuz if you're filled with other things, you're probably not going to be giving thanks to God for it. So be filled with the Spirit and give thanks to God. This Bible study from the book of Ephesians is brought to you by Christ Table. If you'd like to join us in the study, there's an easy to follow guide in the show notes. We'd love to have you join us. You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ Table are committed to doing something about that. 
We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation. Our mission, it's simple, to help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. When you get over to Christ Table, be sure to sign up for our email list there. And for those who choose to donate, we've got a resource box that we'll send you in the mail as our thanks. And trust me, you'll like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as we continue our step-by-step study through the book of Ephesians. And if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, there's more information on our website about that as well at www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.